Welcome to the Successful Nurse Coach Podcast. On this podcast, Laura and Shelby, both board-certified nurse coaches, show you how to make as much money as you want in private practice as a nurse coach. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Successful Nurse Coach Podcast. It is Shelby and Laura here today to talk to you about the art of sales and learning to love it. And if you just had a pit in your stomach form because you hate sales, then please tune in to this episode and hear what we have to say about it. Learning to sell is quite literally the most valuable skill you're ever going to learn as an entrepreneur. And just because you haven't done it before, doesn't mean that you can't learn how to do it now or really be even amazing at it. Um, We have a lot of nurse coaches in our community that have had previous experience with sales, either through network marketing or other direct sales business, and have just been burned. So there's been a lot of unlearning and relearning a way that feels better and more in service. Um, But it's kind of like starting an IV. We're not all born knowing innately how to do that. Uh, But the skill can be taught and it can be mastered. Um, Whenever I jumped on to record this podcast today, Laura had already prepped me that she has lots to say on this topic. So we will probably collectively between the two of us run run a little long. Uh, But this is a really, really important topic and we're excited to kind of peel it apart. Laura, where should we begin? There's just so many, so many places to start. I mean, I think I want to start with my story because I had had very negative experiences with sales. And so I was very tearful. Like I would get very teary, um, even thinking about selling, thinking about inviting people into coaching conversations because I had trauma, quite, I mean, actual trauma from my Mm -hmm. early twenties doing network marketing um, and not being supported or mentored or taught and, and failing. And then just making it mean that because I failed when I was 20 years old, doing network marketing with no training, no mentorship, and no real uh, guidance, it meant that I just wasn't good at it. And I don't like to do things that I'm not good at. Mm. And uh, I see this over and over again with nurse coaches, because we don't want to do something that we're not good at. And if we believe that we're not good at sales, I've never done sales. I don't like sales. We hear this on all the time. Then you can't have a coaching practice. Like you can't have a successful coaching practice and not learn to love sales because you're going to sell almost every day in your practice. You're going to sell through the copy that you write in your website. You're going to sell through the, the words that you say to people all the time when you talk about your business. And so the first thing I want to hone in on is that we have to decide to love this and realize that the skill of sales is probably the most valuable skill you could ever have on the planet. Seriously, it's the number one skill that can be applied to pretty much anything for the rest of your life. It'll affect areas of your life you can't even imagine. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think I want to dive into lots, but I, I want to start with the premise that if you want to be an entrepreneur, decide to learn to love the art of sales. Yeah, that's a really good point. I'm left, I'm actually left a little curious. When was the moment when that switched for you? Or how did that switch to where you had this really big baggage around the sales process from previous experience? And like, 
how did you work through that? Who helped you through that? Like when, do you remember when that shifted? I mean, it happened over time. It took me a really long time. I think it happened through trial and error. And then really, like, I remember people that I I did not sell well to that did not sign up with me, that they should have worked with me. I could have changed their life and the regret because I was super Mm -hmm. soft. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't know how to overcome objections. I kind of backed down. I was serving so powerfully for hours, you know, powerful conversation one, powerful conversation number two. And then I get right up to the point where I'm going to tell them how much I charge. And I'm going to basically ask them if they want to to enroll with me. And I turned into this like very self-centered, blubbering, not powerful, not sure, not certain human because of my own baggage. And they walked out my door and didn't work with me. And so I think it became evident that if I didn't work on that, that I I was causing harm. (laughs) I mean, People think people are afraid to cause harm by selling, but I realized I was causing harm by not. Yeah. Yep. I even have my own stories floating through the back of my mind right now of being a new coach and just learning how to sell, not being great at it yet, and not being confident in that process. And like the the short list of people who got away that I'm like, damn it like they could have really used support and I left them hanging. Like I didn't fight. I didn't fight for their goals. I didn't fight for their vision. I didn't fight for their highest good. And those haunted me for a really, really long time. Um, Because I, I mean, we believe in what we do. We believe that coaching works. And if you have a feeling that someone could benefit from working with you and then they walk out and there's not a clear yes or a clear no, or we, or we don't play full out in the sales process. It feels so gross. It feels so gross. And luckily that's a really good learning lesson, right? You only have to do that a few times before. Well, successful coaches only have to do that a few times before they're like, I have to get this under control. I need support. I need to take the next step here and figure out what's going on. Um, But those are, those are bookmark moments that you just don't, (laughs) you just don't forget. No. No. And nurses are advocates. I mean, what I loved, one thing I loved about nursing is the advocacy part. I just felt it's like part of my soul's calling to advocate for for somebody in pain, for somebody Mm -hmm. who needs help, somebody who can't advocate for themselves. And sales is the the highest form of of advocacy for your client's dream. We spend Mm -hmm. hours with them. They tell us exactly what they want. And selling is advocacy. So we're these incredible patient advocates in the ICU, in the ER, and fighting with doctors, and maybe even advocating with family. And then in in nurse coaching, I would just turn into the weakest advocate at that point because I made it all about me. I made it all about my own trauma, all about my own stuff. And um, and so I had to learn through trial and error. It it worked. And then Stacy Bayman's uh, 2K for 2K course I did a few years ago, uh, she had language for for what I experienced. So she could um, articulate what I knew to be true. And that solidified it, finding the language to really solidify what I learned through trial. Yeah. Yeah. That's really helpful. And I like, I really like viewing sales as being an advocate for your client, right? Like you're being, it's like almost like you're talking to two different versions of your client during a sales call. Anyway, you're talking to 
the highest version of themselves that you have both spent time pumping them up to be and dreaming really big. And then all of a sudden, like the really creepy version, the lesser version, the one with all the limiting beliefs creeps in at the last minute and then decides to be making all of the decisions, Mm -hmm. right. On whether they're going to move forward or not. And we we've done this. We've seen our clients do this to where we, instead of going to meet the highest version, we sink down and we go meet the the other version of our client in that space. And yeah, it just, it gets messy team. It gets messy. But today we're going to walk you through like, how, how do you work through this? How do you address it? Like how there's just so many things that can be coming up um, for coaches during this process. And we're going to try to hit on some of the, some of the top points here. Uh, but I really like viewing it through that lens of, of ad- advocacy. If you haven't caught on already, Laura and I are really geeky for nursing metaphors in the entrepreneurial world. So this is probably the 50th one we get to add to yeah. the list. Uh, but I hope that that resonates for, for some people. Um, yeah, so let's maybe let's go to next, Laura, to like how we help our clients learn to love this process, right? This is not an uncommon belief. People feel icky about sales. They're uncomfortable with sales. They don't know how. And we do this like all the time. We, we help people through this process all the time. Um, This is even, we decided to do this episode this week just because it's been coming up a little bit more frequently than, than off or than usual. So I know that it's coming up for our broader community as well. Um, But let's talk about a little bit, the inner work, that goes into to addressing this. Um, I remember when I was new to sales, I had a little bit of network marketing experience. I just knew that I didn't like love that whole approach. That wasn't my favorite. Um, but a big part of my process in the beginning was to debrief after sales calls. So I would have a sales call and this wasn't anything that my coach did with me. But my dad and my brother have both been in sales as well. And also they have, they at the time had no reference to what nurse coaching was, but it was still really helpful for me to have a call, have someone tell me no, and then call somebody else and talk through it out loud of like, I wish I would have said this. This is what went well. This is where I really shined. And this is where I think I can do better next time. And this is a process that we walk you through in the preceptorship or the mentorship. We have a whole module and a, like a scorecard on this to where you can keep track of your progress over time um, and do a little bit of reflection. We definitely encourage that. But I think that that was a big part of learning to love this process was seeing how much better I was getting every time at it. It was like a a game. Like I could see, man, that first sales call really sucked. This one was a little bit better. And there was just like this belief that if I kept trying and kept fine tuning that I was going to get better at it and it worked. Yeah. That's so cool that you did that because that would have shortened my learning curve by so many months and saved me so much money. And no one told me to do that. I didn't even think about doing that because I didn't even see sales as a skill that I could improve upon. I just thought I was either a good coach or a bad coach. Mm. So I didn't see that the separateness I was like, because I thought if I was a really good coach, people would just buy coaching from me and they did. But I also had a lot of, I had no skill to overcome objections. And so I like to think about had I, 
had my dad or my brother or a coach or somebody just a debrief, I would have saw it as a skill, saw it as a game. And I like to be good at what I do. And so if we look at sales exactly like that, a skill that you can improve upon, then we start to fall in love with the pursuit of mastery mm-hmm. of the, the art of sales. And that's inspirational. That doesn't feel icky. That feels really, really good. Um, but I think that what I want to start with is like the inner game is that, you know, new nurse coaches have whatever level of belief in themselves, whatever level of belief in coaching based on their own powerful coaching experiences as a client. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the belief in their client in the belief in their client. And at the time when I was opening my practice, I didn't have a lot of money. And so when people would say, I just don't, Laura, I just don't have the money. I can't afford coaching right now. I never, ever questioned it or challenged it. It was like, yo, totally. I get it. Because I bought into that, that mindset. It's like, well, I don't have a lot of money either. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't until I paid for my, I got resourced and paid for my coach that I felt confident enough to challenge the um, not enough money objection because I had to to go all in on myself. So there is a, a huge correlation between your inner work, how deeply you've benefited from coaching, being coached yourself, mm-hmm. um, and how much you're buying into your clients' stories at the very end. Yeah. Yeah. I'm seeing a, a theme emerge here of like, well, of course, like how much your confidence affects the way you show up in sales processes, but like, what are you doing to fill that bucket of confidence? Right. So like if you are a new coach that has never invested in coaching or has never greatly benefited from coaching, you probably don't have a lot of confidence in the coaching process itself. You know, like it, that just makes sense to me that it, that there's a piece of the puzzle missing here so that sales probably feel super loosey goosey and you're floating out in space. Um, but if we can think of confidence like a bucket, like what are the active pieces that you're putting in to it here? So hiring the coach to help you through the mental spaghetti. What else, what else puts a bucket or a, a stone in the, the confidence bucket? I feel like it's going to be, um, and this would be with selling a product or a service, but it, your belief in what you're selling. And so if you're selling coaching, I would like to think that most successful coaches have had incredibly powerful coaching experiences as the Mm -hmm. client. And um, I had had my most powerful coaching experience as a client was from my first business coach in our sales call. Mm. Yeah. What happened? And so that, oh gosh, she does two, two hour calls. So I had four hours of coaching with her and, um, I had already had paid clients. I, I had an office. She was really impressed that I was actually like doing the thing and had no fucking clue what I was doing. <laughs> like she, so like immediately she was impressed by me and just even having that coach reflect back to me, Hey, you're doing like a really good job, Laura, based on where you've started, like you're, you're doing it. And um, I remember her saying, do you, you know, are you charging per session? I'm like, sometimes, but I'm starting to work on packages. She's like, great. That's great. That most new, new coaches don't know that that's great. And so she, she just kept reflecting to me how much progress I'd already made, which is really mm-hmm. motivational interviewing. Yeah. Um, and then she asked me how much money I wanted to make. And I said, I want to make 125,000. That's what I was making about at the hospital. And I remember her going, okay, that's easy. Yeah. 
And I'm like, really? Are you sure? Are you sure that? And I hear myself doing that all the time because it it's simple. Maybe it's not easy. And maybe she said something mm-hmm. different, but it was like the first person to not reflect back to me that that was insane. Yeah. So somebody else's belief just, in just that in you yeah. put stones in, in the confidence bucket, which also makes complete, yeah. complete sense. I also remember telling my first coach that on the sales call and she was like, how much, what's, what's the monetary goal? What do you want to make? And I was like, I think six figures. And she goes, okay, yeah, for sure. Like I just, that was a really big moment for me too. Like, oh, this dream isn't all the way out in la la land. Like other people are, other people are doing it. If they can do it, I can, I can do it too. Um, yeah. Interesting that we both yeah. had that experience and also interesting that we've never connected those dots before until just now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's the, the belief, like, right. Cause I could tell that Christina from the moment she met me believed mm-hmm. in me and her belief in me just made me be able to believe in myself. And that is huge. And then from our first coaching call, I think I created like nine powerful conversations between our first call and our second call. So I had like proof yeah. that working with her changed changed my, my life very quickly. So that created my belief in coaching in general. I believed in myself. And then she just consistently reflected back to me how much she believed in me. And and that's where I went to Evan and said, I don't know uh, how we're going to pay for this. I'll just get a credit card. But I know if I work with this coach, like I'm going to make a lot of money. Like I'm going to be very successful. I can do this. And she's the person that to take me there. And so he, of course he didn't have any, uh, uh, he didn't really <laughs> couldn't overcome any of my objections because I was so certain. Yeah. Yeah. And, and only it was fleeting. Like I wouldn't have been certain a week later. I was just certain after that call, like I was certain in and around that call. And then like sand, it started to disappear through my hands. So like, consistent Mm -hmm. coaching, consistently showing up and having someone believe in you. Um, That whole process made sales so much easier before I even learned about sales. Totally. And I think that having either your own confidence, right, or belief, or being able to borrow from a coach's confidence or belief in you consistently, like regularly, every single week, leads to an increased level of enthusiasm like in general, Mm -hmm. in your practice. And this has been something that has also been coming up in some coaching spaces of ours lately is how can you be just like incredibly enthusiastic about coaching? Like there are, coaching is a luxury expense. People spend on luxury things all of the time. However, nurse coaches charge several thousand dollars to work with them for a few months And people are not going to do that if you are flat on the call, on a sales call or flat when talking about somebody's vision, right? Had you or I on any of the sales calls that we've ever been on the receiving end of as the client, had the coach just been lackluster, that would have, like, I would have felt super weird and uncomfortable. Even if they were asking me really powerful questions, like it just wouldn't have added up in the way that I would expect, Um, so enthusiasm is a really big rabbit hole, but all of these things, of course, play off of one another. And even if you don't feel the enthusiasm, even if the doubt is really, really big at the moment, how can you fake enthusiasm about coaching until you have some hard proof that you, that you've done it, that the process works? Like what, 
what would that look like, you know? Yeah, and because enthusiasm is required on the coach's end to inspire taking action now. And we know because of the half-life of enthusiasm, if a client's not a yes on the call, every hour, every hour that, that goes by after the enrollment call, the enthusiasm starts to dribble out. And then the likelihood of that of making that commitment goes down. And so when we're enthusiastic, we kind of charge their batteries up. So we give them some energy to leap now, not think about it, not wait till later, not waiting for a better time, not waiting for the brain to come in and keep things the same. And um, it's really, really interesting in sales psychology that if if enthusiasm starts to wane, the likelihood of investing in yourself is going to go down. So as coaches, we should lean on the side of being too much instead (laughs) of too little. Yes. I find that a lot of nurse coaches want to be professional. And so they'll get super flat in their proposal and talk slow. And that's not the way that you want to show up. You want to be your version of the hire. It can be a control. You are not getting consent for a colonoscopy here, right? We are talking about like the big... (laughs) (laughs) The big thing that keeps people up at night, like whatever that is, if that's health, if that's creating more income, if that's creating a better work-life balance or whatever, like there's just, there's so much to be excited about. And so again, if you don't feel fake it, overdo it, over animate, especially on, um, online, I feel like whenever you are talking through zoom, there's a really thick filter over both the client and the coach. Uh, and so you have to like, you have a little box to over animate. So bring in your hands, lean in close to the camera, like talk maybe a little bit louder than you would if you were in person, uh, create some inflection in your voice. Those are all parts of conveying enthusiasm yeah. as well. Yeah, and uh, communicate with conviction and with certainty. So we talk about this and I'm gonna just do a quick uh, illustration of this, but um, let's say that I'm proposing to you, Shelby, and Shelby, give me like a, a lukewarm. Uh, I'll say, Shelby, it is it's twenty four hundred dollars to work with me for eight weeks. How, what's coming up for you? How do you feel? Uh, I feel like this is something I want to do, but I just don't know if I have the time. Yeah, sometimes it can be hard to find time to do what we love, but that's why I love nurse coaching because nurse coaching shows you what your priorities are in your life and then we can connect and accomplish our goals together. So what I'm hearing you say is you're a maybe, but uh, could you possibly be a yes? You even looked a little dazed and confused. I know people can't see you right now. (laughs) Yeah, but that's... And I've done this before. Like, that's actually not something I just made up. I've probably said something like that, just like that. And that's confusing. It's confusing to be on the other side of, because you can almost feel that I've left my body. (laughs) that I'm not present with you. And a, a, a better way to be with conviction would be, if you don't have time now, do you think you're going to find the time later? When, Mm -hmm. when will you have the time for this? It's like that certainty, short sentences, conviction, clarity, um, confidence, um, instead of 
beating around and changing your voice and using lots of descriptive language and making it really, really long and drawn out because you're uncomfortable. And, you know, this can be overwhelming when you're first learning, but this is what we're talking about with it, with it being mm-hmm. a skill. And our clients this year, we had them record proposals and it was the most powerful thing we've yeah. ever done because watching yourself do a proposal as uncomfortable as it is. Sometimes it's amazing to watch. You see exactly where you abandon your client, where you leave your body, where your face changes, your language changes. And then we learn so much faster yeah. from watching that. Right. And I bet that there are nurse coaches listening right now that are like, how did Laura just come up with that on the fly? Right? Like if, if I had a client that said the time thing to me, um, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know how to say things like with conviction that are that short. And I just want to also say that like, this is something that we walk you through in both the preceptorship and the mentorship. We have a whole video on if clients say this, here is some language to say back. This is how to challenge those limiting beliefs because I bet that that limiting belief feels just super real for your client, right? They don't even see it as like a BS excuse to not, to not Mm -hmm. take action until someone calls you out like that. Like, okay, I hear you. So when are you going to have the time? Is it six months from now? Because I don't see that happening. Where where does this fit in? Are you going to be able to wait that long without going crazy? Yeah. Like there's so much room to blow open the perspective of your client um, with, yeah. with challenging in that way. That's a little side note, but uh, we do help you with that if you if you come join our crew. Um, also, let's talk about this word persuasion because it's a trigger word for a lot of folks mm. um, viewing sales as persuasion. Giving public speeches is a form of persuasion. Like anything you do talking to somebody about a topic is a form of persuasion and sales is just like the epitome of that. Right. And persuasion definitely has less than positive and fluffy connotations attached to it. Yeah. It's similar to money. It's like this persuasion has a negative connotation for most people and most nurse coaches biggest fear is I don't want to talk somebody into doing something that they don't want to do. I don't want to cause harm. Yeah. Right? Like that's the fear. Um, and I like to put it into perspective using some nursey <laughs> stories. So let's say you're a pack, you're, let's say you're a perioperative nurse and you're a pre-op nurse and you have a really nervous elderly lady coming in and she needs her gallbladder removed. She's in excruciating pain. It's all inflamed. It's infected. There's no holistic treatment. Like surgery is the only option and she's scared. And at this point, it's dangerous for her to to really keep it in. And she's your patient that morning and you're starting your her IV and she's starting to tell you that she doesn't want to do it. Now, is it wrong of you to persuade her to have the surgery? Mm. Is it wrong? That's a beautiful use of persuasion. And of course, done with informed consent, which was what our agreements are. Our agreements are our our informed consent. Um, but we persuade in medicine all the time and persuasion when it's clean, when it's coming from a place of integrity, when it's coming from a place of service is extremely, extremely powerful. And every nurse coach should mm-hmm. learn to use it. 
we're good. Right. Um, yep. But it's a scary word. And it, um, uh, it still will come bite me sometimes when I'm like, if I've had a lot of sales calls, yeses, I start to feel like, gosh, I have a lot of power. That feels like a big responsibility. And the reason why it feels like a responsibility is because it is. And then you have to just get really clean with your own thoughts and your own intentions. And if you're clean, um, then persuasion feels like this amazing gift that you have for the world and not this powerful thing that you have to be careful of using. Yeah. That reminds me of a, of a story of you and I had just partnered up. It was probably within like the first six months or so. And we had a group of students that had just graduated and I had a plan to reach out to a couple of them that I wanted to coach in private practice. They had mentioned it in the collective. I kept my boundary really clean (laughs) in the collective and supported them best I could when they were students. Um, Mm -hmm. But, and it was more like my plan was to just literally offer them a coaching call with me after they graduated. That was as far as my plan went. And I sat down to send those messages and the voices got screaming loud. Like, they were so effing loud of just like, Mm. you're preying on people. These people trust you. You've built rapport with them for so long. And now you're just going to swoop in and sell them. Like, who do you think you are? Like it was icky. It was so gross. And I remember going (laughs) to my coach at the time and telling her that. And she looked at me like I had two heads. She was just like, what, where did that come from? And I was like, (laughs) to be honest, like, I don't know. Like I just, I was going to do the thing. I was going to take the action. And those are just the thoughts that came up. Like no one said anything to me. No one sparked this thought. I sparked it all on my own. And um, my coach looked at me and she's like, Shelby, if it's not you, who is going, who's going to help them? And I was like, and at the time there wasn't anybody else, right? It was me and you that were helping nurse coaches. And, um, mm-hmm. and I was like, I don't know, nobody, I guess. And uh, she goes, so actually you're doing them more of a disservice by letting them struggle and by not offering them a life fest. And I was like, mm-hmm, okay. And I mostly believed her, right? Like I 75% believed her it was enough belief to send the messages. And then I was able to schedule the call. Then I was able to like have this corrective experience that, that this was support that they really needed and that they didn't know where else to go. And they were feeling really lost and they were really grateful that I had reached out and um, plot twist. One of those clients is Amy Owen, which is one of our most successful clients now. And one of our employees. So like, I think about that all the time of just like, if I hadn't, moved through that or ninjaed my way through it, then potentially our business would look very different, right? Or Amy's trajectory would have been really different. I really do think that Amy would have found success no matter what. But I also like to think that ours was the the smoothest path for her to take um, rather than having to learn by a lot of trial and error. And again, it comes back to that thing you say a lot, Laura, you have to act and believe like you have the cure in your purse and you're here to give it to people, right? Like you have to act with that much conviction um, or at least 75% conviction (laughs) just to send the messages and to invite people in. uh, Because I mean, there is a chance that if you don't connect and, and also trusting that your client will know what is good for them and what is not 
too, right? We can, we can, we can offer, we can serve, we coach for free the first two calls on purpose so that you both get a feel if this is a good fit or not. And then we have to trust that our client is a big girl or a big boy and can make their own decisions at the end of the day, that you're not going to talk them into anything that they don't want to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of uh, thought work and inner work and reframing and having a coach to say that to you. And I think of uh, Heather Lapidus selling me into the nurse coach collective through Facebook messenger and thank (laughs) God she didn't stop after the third message because my whole life Mm -hmm. would have been different. My whole life would have been different. I would have found some kind of success. I don't know how fast it would have happened and it sure wouldn't have taken me to this moment. And so also I think our brain always goes back to negative sales experience. Maybe you were buying a car and there was a, a, a douchey car salesman, like putting high pressure on you. I hate high pressure sales. I've had negative sales experiences. We're, we're not that. And I've, none of our mm-hmm. nurse coaches are that. None of you are that. Um, we have some floating around in our community that could possibly be in that category, but that's not who we are. And that's not mm-hmm. who we coach. And there are also beautiful sales experiences. Like I think of Dr. Heidi, my naturopathic doctor, you know, she sold me as she was treating me and helping me. She sold me on the fact that I, you are going to be well. You're going to come back and you're going to spend money and you're going to spend money on supplements, but you're going to get better. And she had to sell me in that belief for me to even start my healing journey. And that is sales. Mm-hmm. That is persuasion it used in its highest mm-hmm. form. Um, so looking in, back in your memory and not just using the negative experiences, look back and think, when do, when was I sold something and it felt good the whole time? What did I like about that? What did I like about that salesperson? What was special mm-hmm. about that? And it'll always be empathy. It'll be uh, deep listening. It'll be integrity. You can feel that the person selling you the thing cares. Um, It's all about the the inner game Mm -hmm. of the salesperson. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember some of my most favorite sales calls as the coach. One of them in particular comes to mind. And this was a few months ago. And I won't share any more details not to to identify her. But uh, we were on the call. And it was our second call. I usually, I don't do too many second calls these days, but we, we had done a second call. I gave her some homework on the first one. And I said, follow up with me when you're done with this. And we got on the second call and it wasn't too long into the call where she just broke down and she was just like, I just want this so badly. Like I want, I want this success. I want this. The coaching is pulling at my heart. I don't really know what it looks like. I don't have a niche, but I just want this so badly. And I offered her a space in the mentorship and I said, I know that we can help you. I know that we can take you from where you are at right now to what you want to create, even if it's murky. And I spoke with a ton of certainty that we could help her. And I have that certainty now because we've done it, right? We have a ton of clients that we've helped take from point A to point B. And in the beginning, I had to fake that part, right? Of like, I know I can help you because I've done it for myself was how the, the confidence I tapped into she was just like, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to work with you and your team. Like she was just so grateful that we offered her a spot and gave her a chance uh, to take a chance on herself. And that was a really beautiful, a really beautiful sales call. Um, That was just a really great reminder 
of what a big deal this is, what a big deal it is to hire a coach and to grab your dream by the balls mm-hmm. and, and say, I'm, I'm going in here. Right. It's, yeah. It's a huge deal. Um, and again, I mean, we still have people that we get on calls with, I would say less frequently now, but it still happens. Like not everybody tells us yes. Not everybody is a yes right now. You know, that, that happens all the time. Um, mm-hmm. and I never feel bad about that either. Like people who say no, I'm just like, if it's not us, then it's meant to be somebody yeah. else. And that's totally okay by me. It's totally okay. Yeah. So, and I also, I hope that, well, I hope that our sales calls, if it's not us, still provide value in getting them closer oh, to yeah. what the next 100%. step is. So there's so much value in the whole sales process. Like when we um, challenge limiting beliefs and we work on overcoming objections, sometimes the, the gold that client still says no because they're not ready. The client still says no for whatever reason, but you've given them a, a vision into their own thought process and what's getting in their way. And so maybe you're not the coach in that moment. Maybe we've had clients mm-hmm. come back after a year yeah. and, and sign up with us. And this happens to our clients as well. But there's so much value in deciding to be really good at sales because even if you are completely unattached to the outcome, even if uh, you are a master at sales, there's and that person is still a no, there's that client gets so much value from that. Now, I've said no to several coaches that were great coaches, and I still I got so much yeah. from their sales calls, like so much from their sales calls. It just wasn't the right fit at the right time for the right amount of it didn't have the value that I needed it to have at the moment that I was in my life. But those calls mm-hmm. have changed me. One of them being um, someone asking me if I wanted to just be a coach or if I wanted to be a CEO. And that laid the foundation of the vision mm-hmm. for our company. To it get did. I was literally just, um, was just that question. Just thinking a, maybe time that we reach yeah. out to him. <laughs> like, yeah. I was just thinking the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He actually quit being a oh, coach, well, I guess. So I, I think yeah. I made the right call, but uh, just somebody saying, do, Laura, do you want to be a coach or a consultant or do you want to be a CEO of a successful company? And I'm like, well, shit. And you say it like that, the CEO of a successful company sounds kind of nice, but I never thought about it like that. And that was that seed of uh, there's a bigger way to be in the world. There's more mm-hmm. a bigger way to serve. So never underestimate the value of your sales skills for your client, even if they're a no, mm-hmm. even if they never come back. Yeah. And, and to get a little like woo woo here, this is all just really powerful energy that you're putting out into the world, right? Every time you serve someone on a sales call or a powerful conversation, number one, or whatever, anytime you serve somebody else, and even if it's still a no, that's still a really powerful experience that they're going to go tell their friends about, and they're going to go tell their community about, right? It's, it's not for nothing. Like those experiences are not for nothing. That ripple effect, we don't know what it plays out to be, but it's, I just believe that it's so much bigger than we can wrap our head around. Yeah. And I think I, I want to end or start coming to a close on this episode with, um, you know, I have students ask me, how do you find clients and how do you sell? And like those two big questions, how do you find clients and how do you sell? Well, that could be 40 hours. That answer could mm-hmm. be 40 hours long because it's that nuanced. And then the 40 hours can be spent by you listening to me telling you, or it can be 40 hours of, of just 
coaching and learning. And it's so much more powerful to just coach and learn. So as I was reading Stacey Bayman's consultation code not too long ago, like re looking at it. And I think she said that her first 10 sales calls mm-hmm. were all no's. And she's like a master in sales. She, she was a master in sales in a different industry before she started her coaching business and still in her coaching business had 10 no's before she had her first yes. And so she had proposed $5,000 for a year of coaching to 10 people. And so she had $50,000 walk out the door because she wasn't comfortable um, selling and overcoming objections in this new skill. So even somebody with lots of sales experience, successful sales experience, this can take time and it's okay. And you will learn it if you don't give up. And um, it's not something that you can learn, I think, from just a course or from watching a video. It has to be learned through mentorship, through coaching, through support, mm-hmm. and through repetition with so many different types of humans. Yeah. But once you learn how to sell, you know, you could I could sell anything now that I believe in from this point forward in my life. So let's say the successful nurse coaches just crashed and burned. We had no more clients. Nurse coaching got wiped off the map. Okay, that's just <laughs> catastrophe. I'm primary breadwinner. I could go sell supplements. I could go sell a car that I believed in. I could go sell anything that I believed in with the skill that I currently have, which I know will make me money. So there is, um, people say that entrepreneurship, there's no, uh, what's it called? Not safety, but stability. People want stability. I want stability and safety. It's like being a bomb ass salesperson Mm -hmm. is the ultimate form of safety because you can always find a way to make money. Yeah. I also think that once you learn how to make money on your own, you're like, why would I ever make money for somebody else when I can just make it for myself? Like, that's crazy. (laughs) It's crazy. Um, (laughs) That's that's how I I feel. I'm like, I probably start a supplement company or, or invent a car. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, we're, we're already in the business of going big or going home. So might as well, might as well shoot for the start and end with a bang if we're going to do that. Um, and right. yeah, just one last thought here, team of selling coaching is not about you is not about selling yourself. It is not about how many times you meet over how many months it's just so not about you at all, your PDFs, your programs, or that you're a nurse or a nurse coach or board certified, like clients just don't care about that at all. What they care about is their vision. Can you be all in on their vision? Can you support them in their vision? Can you believe in their vision? That's what you're selling here is their dream and the the ability that they can do it. Mm-hmm. And once you tap into that, the clients that are ready to go, you won't be able to stop them, right? It, it won't, you are, you are just the catalyst moment for people yeah. for takeoff. So that's the biggest, the biggest piece is sell the vision. Don't sell the program, sell the vision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we hope that you um, can start to try on the idea that you could actually love this thing called sales, that it won't feel icky. It'll feel really good. It'll feel I think sales can even be spiritual at times and um, it's a whole lot of fun to get to that place. And we'd love to walk you into that place. I think that uh, it's possible for anybody regarding, regardless of your background or your experiences you've had or traumatic experiences you've had in direct sales. Um, doesn't matter where you're coming from. 
uh, you come and be in our space with us and we can figure out a way for you to learn to love 100%, it. 100%, 100%. Love, we would love, love to support you. And yeah, if you have any questions, any thoughts about this, come hang out in our Facebook group. Come ask us, come tell us what resonates. We love hearing from you and hearing feedback from these episodes. And I have a feeling that this is going to be a juicy one with lots of follow-up questions. So if you want to see just the discussion that happens around this. Come join our Facebook group, The Successful Nurse Coaches. We hang out there. Our team hangs out in there. And we would love to have you in there. And we will see you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye.